unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. Now, first things first, um, I have this coming up soon. Um, it's the Retail War Zone one-on-one. And what this is going to be are, you know, pre-scheduled, you know, pre-recorded videos with people that have stories to tell. Um, you know, some people might not want to do it live. I fully understand. Some people might not can make it on Wednesday nights. They get this, you know, get that. That's fine, too. We'll schedule it, you know. Uh, we'll we'll have a talk or whatnot. I'll edit it, and then the hope is to premiere premiere these on Mondays. So that's coming in the near future. Um, date to be announced. So if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel and something like this interests you, make sure you hit subscribe and hit the notification bell, so that way you'll know exactly when these go up. Also, two. Um, there's going to be an off schedule special presentation by myself and Irish. Uh, most likely it's going to be on a Friday night. Uh, Irish did some sourcing for us. Uh, the gentleman's name is Nick Kalsch. He is an instructor of economics and public policy. He's also the director of Wyoming Center for Business and Economic Analysis, and he will be on with us discussing minimum wage. So we're going to have smart people um, showing up. Smart so that's going to be great. And then finally, if you missed it, um, I had a wonderful conversation with Anya Kane from Business Insider. Uh, we made some press. They did an article about the retail war zone, which was fantastic. Uh, if you have not read it, it's posted on Facebook. It's posted on our Reddit page. And it's also the pinned tweet on our Twitter page. So, Good stuff going on there. So having, I know Steve. I read that article and I almost just freaked out reading my name in an actual news article. Know, right? Um, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my but, god!" You know, it, it was a great conversation. It did a lot of good for us. Um, it got us, you know, some some press or whatnot. And you know, we saw some results from it and some bumps, especially on the audio side of the podcast. Uh, so that was great. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. But without any further ado, let's talk pharmacists and let's talk pharmacy techs. So before we get really rolling in this, um, I went scouring the Internet, you know, using multiple search terms, you know, pharmacist turnover, pharmacist burnout, pharmacist labor shortage, uh, pharmacist abuse and whatnot. And let me tell you. There's not a lot of mainstream articles about that. I'm going to show you the cream of the crop of what I, I could find. And these are the headlines. Uh, add pharmacist to the list of burned out healthcare workers. There is no way I can keep working here because this is just too much. That's from Crane Chicago Business. Uh, CVS makes hiring push amid worker shortage, increased COVID-19 vaccine demand. Pharmacy chain plans to add 25,000 people this week, and that was from Wall Street Journal. Overworked, understaffed. Pharmacists say industry in crisis puts patient safety at risk. We're going to have a fatal error somewhere, said a pharmacy technician in New York, because we're doing too many things at once. That's from NBC News. Uh, Understaffing at some CVS pharmacies in Virginia has put patients at risk, former employees say. One location in Virginia Beach was fined $470,000 for serious dispensing errors. Pharmacists say it's a systemic problem. That's from Virginia Mercury. Then you have pharmacies with staffing shortages dealing with long lines upset customers. 
um, from KPIC4, CBS. Uh, pharmacies cut hours, scramble for workers. Customers may face delays getting their meds from South Bend Tribune. Pharmacies battle labor shortage and more responsibilities from pandemic. Uh, WBOC, CBS. Um, pharmacists overwhelmed during flu shot season, citing staffing issues from NBC5. And then Ontario pharmacists and doctors report rise in harassment surrounding COVID-19 vaccines. And that's from CFRA 580 News Talk Radio. Now, the disturbing thing about that to me is, other than the Wall Street Journal, Pimp and CBS, all that coverage is local. Those are, those are local news stations, local reporters. So the mainstream media, the big boys, the CNNs, the, the NBCs, the CBSs, you know, all, all the big boys, they're not reporting on any of this. And that's a little alarming to me because it's a nationwide problem. But why are they steering clear from it? And then if you look at a lot of those headlines, it's really more about the inconvenience to the customer than it is what the pharmacists and techs are going through. So that's a little disturbing to me. And I think you guys deserve better coverage. I think people need to know what you're actually going through. Um, Also, too, I did run a poll on Twitter. And I was actually shocked at this. I thought there'd be people working more hours on this. But I asked, um, on average as a retail pharmacist, how many hours a week do you work? Um, 61% said 45 to 50, 34.1% said 51 to 60 hours and 4.9 said 61 hours plus. So I was actually expecting to see more in that middle. But, um, if you guys for the most part are not having to work that many hours, good for you because your health and safety does come first. So having said that, uh, Mr. Harding, tell us a little bit about yourself and your book. Hey guys, uh, my name is Grant Harding. Um, I was a former retail pharmacist for Rite Aid. I spent about three years um, working a job that I I hated. Um, There's no other way to put it. I hated it more than anything else in this world. And um, towards the end of my three years, I sort of became obsessed or really interested in how pharmacists were hired and what other companies look for whenever they hire a pharmacist and what makes a good resume. And so I spent probably the better part of six months um, creating what ended up now being a a book that I I ended up putting down into words, but it's more or less a method of of how to get out of retail pharmacy. Um, And whenever I started this process, there was no help for me. People didn't talk about this. Nobody even really knew how pharmacists were even hired. And I found out through my research, it was almost in some ways kind of random. So I'm not surprised nobody knew. Um, and then after I, I, I finally escaped, you know, I got a job that I love more than anything. Now I can't wait to go to work. Um, now I work as a pharmacy consultant. Um, but I noticed that I, I couldn't breathe in a room without somebody asking me how I got out. How, what do I do now? Uh, you know, what, what's the pay difference? People were so interested. I had almost no choice but to actually write everything down in a book. And um, uh, just to be clear, I didn't do this for money. Um, I, I love helping pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. And the book always has been free for anyone who asks, and it still will be. I've given out probably close to, I don't think quite 300 copies yet, but um, that's something um, that I, I want to make very clear. This is to help people. It isn't for me to make money. Excellent. 
Now, speaking of his book, I'd sent him this. Um, I want everybody to take a look at this. And this is something that he has laid out in the very first chapter. And let's get your take out there. If you've got questions and comments, you know, shoot them over. You know, this is interactive. Um, so let us know. But anyway, there was this. A comprehensive list of why being a retail pharmacist sucks, which I thought was great. <laughs> uh, number one, the staff is underpaid. Number two, tech illiteracy is too common. Three, vague state and federal laws clearly not written by pharmacists with zero clarification and all the penalties consistently create nervous and paranoid pharmacists. Four, drug prices are just made up numbers. Five, insurance companies are too complicated for the general public. Six, there are limitations to what we can actually do despite having a doctorate degree. Seven, Obtaining the ability to vaccinate was the dumbest thing our profession has ever done to itself. And then eight, there's an obvious abundance of general staffing disorder. So, um, kind of expound upon that, Grant. Uh, yeah, so first thing you guys may want to take away or from that is that it, it uses pretty casual uh uh, speak. It, it, we we work at a very professional organization, and I, I think sometimes it, it it's more um, it, it's not fun for us. So I wanted to make a book that was fun to read and funny to read. So uh, I see someone in the chat asking actual Ill- illiteracy or terminology. So uh, it, it, in the book, it it expands on that. No, I'm not saying that people can't read. Uh, t- pharmacy technicians can't read. That's not what I'm saying. Um, there is a common theme in this world, honestly, especially in my profession, where people are just like so resistant to do anything with a computer or a phone or just anything with pixels. And um, that that creates more of an issue than I think what people think it does. Like, I, I like to say that, you know, in the early 2000s, it was cute. Now it's ignorant. And it really causes a huge bottleneck in our, our uh, process as pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. Um, if, if staff and, and customers were um, as tech illiterate as probably most of us in this chat, or I can only speak for myself, I know I'm very tech literate, um, I, I don't even know if this would even be a bad profession at that point. Like there, There's so much help out there that people just don't take advantage of because they're scared or they don't know how. Um, so that that's one of the points there. Um, I, can sh- you pull that I slide sure up can. Again, if or? you want to, we can just bullet point it. Go like one by one. Yeah, I, I kind of forget what was on the so list. So let's go with honest. number one. <laughs> the staff is underpaid. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge uh, bullet point here. I think um, pretty much everyone uh, in retail, outside of pharmacy or working in grocery stores or anything like that can... Um, uh, can agree with that one. Um, one thing that I was like absolutely shocked whenever I came into this profession a couple years ago, fresh out of school, um, doing my internships, is I could not believe how little training and how little respect the pharmacy technicians got. I like from from the outside looking in, I thought, oh, these are highly trained highly paid, highly respected professionals that help in the pharmacy process. And no, that's not the case. They're warm bodies that pump blood throughout their uh, uh, circular system, 
or cardiovascular system. As long as they can just ring someone up in a register, that's all the, the folks doing the hiring care about. They don't care about training them or, or keeping them for a long-term amount of uh, time. So um, the another huge point is if we can get our staff to be paid well and therefore respected well, trained well, and they can operate well, um, that'd be huge, huge impact on our profession as a whole. What is, when, when so, you were at Rod Aid, what was the average going rate for a pharmacy technician? $9 an hour. Now, I will say this. I'll give credit where credit is due. There is a couple instances where Rite Aid did some pretty positive things, and they did increase that to, I believe, around $12 uh, an hour right before I left. And I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if it went up even a little bit more since then. But that's still not at the, the goal. Um, most people I talk to, and I myself agree, they should be paid around $20 an hour for the type of work they're well, doing. Well, I mean, you know, when... I was managing CVS. I mean, the technicians, you know, there were times, I mean, they're counting out pills, you know, they're, they're, they were filling bottles, they're labeling stuff. They were, you know, the pharmacist right hand person. And you would think the training would have to be good, you know, and I do agree that the training was not up to snuff there. You, you could see where you'd have really good pharmacy technicians get burnt really fast. And then because there was a hiring squeeze, even, even back then, like you said, they were just hiring bodies, but you're dealing with people's lives here. You know, one screw up, you, you got a problem, like a really big one. So, yeah, yeah and tons of pressure exactly. as well. Yeah, it's, it's not fair to the pharmacists, to be honest with you. The amount that we have to sacrifice to get our degrees and our licenses and for that all to be in the hands of someone who isn't being respected or paid enough to care. Uh, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. There's a couple of things in the chat here that I wanted to Go ahead. take a moment to look at. How much How much did the retail management right aid impact the delivery of your service? Did they get in the way from Irish Connection? Um, so, yeah, they, they got in the way a lot. Uh, what what uh, pharmacy is, is currently evolving into and what it pretty much is as of today is just big vaccine boxes and everything else comes second. And it was just so difficult to keep our customers happy or come in there for prescriptions to be filled because that is generally what a pharmacy is supposed to do. And we would have to do things like stop what we were doing, call some person and ask them if they wanted a vaccine. It was impractical and it was a little bit ridiculous. And I don't think many uh, pharmacies were able to do everything that they asked. So yeah, the, the, the pressure to vaccinate was really what, got in the way the most now how how I, when i was with cvs i mean it really was separate i didn't have much anything to do with with the pharmacy um did that change over time to where you had store managers in the way questioning your scheduling or questioning you know the amount of payroll that was being used or things like that did you ever experience while you were there a store manager saying hey You've spent too many hours on your text. We've got to cut one or something like that. Oh, uh, now that you asked that, I think I maybe misunderstood his question a little bit. I was speaking more from like the the pharmacy retail management perspective. So store management, no, they actually don't get in the way very much. Um, in fact, not at all. They're they're pretty much separate. At least that was my experience. Um, they they kind of share the burden of the vaccine 
um, push, though. I noticed that sometimes our higher-ups would even come down on the store manager about not giving enough vaccines. I mean, what do they have to do right. with that? Not a whole lot. I mean, they can sort of pander a little bit and, and do a little bit of uh, uh, like discussion with some of the customers as they're coming in or checking out, but I would not rely on the front-end staff for vaccine numbers. I thought that was a little bit weird that that they were being asked to do that. Well, that's that. great that there was separation because it was separation yeah. for us. I mean, we had to, you know, as a store manager, you know, I had a district manager over the store side and the pharmacist, you know, they, they had a district manager over, you know, the, the pharmacy side. And, you know, we just, we just had to make sure that they were closing up when they were supposed to and handle customer complaints. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty much. I right. just have a quick question for you. It's kind of dumb. But it's just something I've always wondered. But working at Rite Aid, would it be comparable to CVS in what I hate hearing when I go into CVS? Pharmacy call, line one. Pharmacy call, line one. How annoying is that to deal with? So um, it's psychologically (laughs) damaging. Uh, That phone does not stop ringing from the time they open until the time they close. and So it's just nonstop all day. Oh, yeah. It, it's ridiculous. Now, we don't have that one pharmacy call thing that you alluded to that I know CVS oh, does. God. I've, I've heard that from other folks who work at CVS. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it does not stop. All right. So um, other questions. Uh, how often did you run into people expecting you as a pharmacist being their fill-in doctor for free? All the time. And that's a huge, that's a great question that you asked right there. That's a huge point in the pharmacy world today. Someone who walks into the pharmacy and needs medical advice, why are we doing that for free? Why aren't we being reimbursed for it? Maybe then we wouldn't have to sell vaccines like a sleazy car salesman if we were actually being reimbursed for our uh, our, consulting, or our consultations that we have with customers. It's a little bit impractical, I know, but people... People do in the pharmacy world bring that up from time to time. And uh, it, it happened at least once a day, I'd say, Hero. Um, folks who are, you know, maybe they don't have insurance or perhaps they're new to the area or they're traveling and they don't have a, a doctor or they can't or just don't want to go to the doctor, um, they would come in and ask for help. And, um, you know, we're kind of limited in what we can do as pharmacists. I, I wish I could help those folks more Um than what I legally and practically can. Um, but yeah, that, that happened all the time. Well, let's go down the list here. So we, we covered the illiteracy part. Um, let's talk about vague state and federal laws clearly not written by pharmacists with zero clarification and all the penalties consistently create nervous and paranoid pharmacists. Yeah, good. Um, so yeah, folks this is... In- I'm sorry. This is one that I, I'm super interested in. <laughs> You're interested? I thought that the most of the folks wouldn't be interested in it unless they happen to be pharmacists or techs in the chat. So um, we have pretty strict rules that we have to follow as pharmacists, and most customers apparently don't know that. And uh, as far as I know, out of doctors and physician assistants and pharmacists, we're the only ones who have to take a law exam to be licensed. I don't know whose idea that was, but I absolutely hate it because we frequently get prescriptions uh, sent to us that are indeed illegal. And they, the person writing the prescription has no idea. They sh- they don't have to know. That's not a requirement for them to be licensed. But we do. 
And um, if that prescription were to get filled, we would get a fine or worse. You know, you could get your license dispense or <laughs> dispense suspended. Uh, you know, um, so I could give you guys a couple examples. Go right ahead. In, yeah. In Pennsylvania, yeah. where I I, I uh, used to practice as a retail pharmacy or pharmacist, um, a doctor can give a, an emergency supply of a Schedule II drug. That that's the highest schedule that you can legally. That's your C twos, in right? This country, right? We're talking like Adderall, uh, uh, <laughs> Panna, if you know what that is. Uh, any any type of pain medicine normally. Um, in an emergency situation. They can give a, a, a verbal authorization for it. Okay, how much do you think would be a reasonable amount, legally speaking, for a doctor to do in a in an emergency situation? You don't have to answer that; it's rhetorical. I can tell you that if they write a prescription, the most they can do, I believe, is a ninety day supply, which is actually kind of a lot. Pennsylvania is one of the only states that allow a ninety day supply. If they do an emergency verbal prescription, it can be unlimited. They can do a year supply, ten years supply. That is technically legal. Who like who sat down and thought this makes sense? So so we'll keep this. So you're saying that doesn't help with the opioid crisis? <laughs> well, no, it, it definitely wouldn't. Now I can tell you that that rarely gets exercised, but that is buried deep in the rule book there somewhere. You can do an emergency opioid for ten years supply if if you really wanted to. That would technically good be lord. Now there there's other reasons why that wouldn't ever happen, but uh, so that's so, a common test question we get on our law exam, by the way. So could I get a ten year supply of Adderall? <laughs> If it's an emergency and you have a 10-year-long emergency period, that is technically legal. Oh, my God. Wow. Now, like I said, though, uh, that, that would never happen. There, there are other rules that would prevent something that large from being dispensed. But technically, yes, that would technically be legal per state law. Boy. That's, that's actually incredible. Wow. Okay. <sighs> so, um, we had a little bit of a conversation about this. Um, on, on Twitter, Grant, uh, when I was asking about drug prices. Uh, drug prices are just made-up numbers. Let's go. Yep. Uh, so this is a very difficult concept for consumers to understand, and rightfully so because it makes no sense. Uh, a drug's price has absolutely nothing to do with its value. It has nothing to do with its efficacy, it has nothing to do with supply and demand. The only thing that matters is what drug companies think they can get a uh, insurance company to pay for. And that could be hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. The most expensive drug in the world right now is $2.1 million or something like that. We can talk about that later if you want, but uh, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever they think that they can get an insurance company to pay for is what the price of the drug ends up being. Um, and that's when it first comes on the market as a brand name. Now, um, that, like, uh, like I said, consumers can't understand that. They, they see the price of a drug and they think, wow, this is going to make me so much better. This is going to cure the thing that, that ails me. And that's just not the case. Um, I hope it is the case, but it, w it would just be coincidental has nothing to do with the price. Now, and, what was uh, the, the pill that, that you had described to me 
that you said basically was like ibuprofen with a little bit more and the cost was like extremely low, but the price was like way up there. Yeah, Duexis is what it's called. If you guys want to take the time to Google it, D-U-E-X-I-S. It's just ibuprofen and um, Zan- or not Zantac, uh, Pepsid together. That's all it is. Two over-the-counter meds that they stuck together in one pill. And um, the the drug or the company that makes that charges, I think, like two thousand dollars per bottle, which would be a monthly supply. Lord Almighty! Those two drugs together would be maybe five dollars for a month supply if you bought them individually. I mean, and use them together. Um, so, so yeah, that that ask for a friend. If you could get these <laughs> prescribed to you, you could sell them for a lot of money. No. That that price only exists for them to uh, to bill insurances for. Gotcha. I don't, nobody would ever pay that. Like that's just ridiculous. You're, yeah, not yeah. for that. All right. So, um, and I agree with this statement completely. Not only do I think it's factual, I also think that they're a racket. Um, oh, insurance Jesus. companies are too complicated for the general public, and I guess that would kind of tie into what you were just talking about: how people not understanding the pricing. Yep. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and I think it happens by design. Nobody, like, you could not track a dollar from the beginning of a uh, 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 manufacturer of a drug all the way to where it ends up. You would have no idea. Like, it, it gets passed back and forth so many times between the pharmacy and the distributor and the insurance companies, and uh, n- nobody even really knows what happens to it. Uh, I think every step in the process, a couple of dollars get scraped off the top here and there. And honestly, we'll never know. Uh, and a lot of times um, that's just because of the insurance companies. Uh, they have deductibles and all these other terms that normal folk, or I shouldn't say normal, the average consumer wouldn't really be able to understand. Um, you know, this is a profession I work in and I still get confused um, with my insurance that I have from my new employer. Um and like I said, I, th- I think that I agree with by you. design. Um, they can't make infirm, informed decisions and and um, folks get stuck uh, paying as much as what the person sold selling them the insurance wanted wow. them to pay. Um, number six, there are limitations to what we can actually do despite having a doctorate degree. Yeah, uh, this sort of ties into number three a little bit. Um, I had mentioned earlier about how a lot of pharmacists want to be reimbursed for um, their consulting um, whenever a person walks into the store or or whatever. Um, But also, whenever you look at like prescriptions, uh, uh, we we can't really help a whole lot. What's on the prescription is what the person gets. even if it's like incredibly expensive, like that Duexis thing. If someone wrote a prescription for Duexis, I would not legally be able to dispense ibuprofen and uh, Pepsid for them, even though it's what two thousand dollars cheaper. There would be no that that's illegal. I can't do that. I would have to ask the doctor nicely to make that switch, and hundred times out of hundred, they would agree to that. Um, but uh, we're not. We're not staffed well enough. Our, our our help isn't paid well enough. There's not enough time to micromanage every single prescription that comes in here uh, into a pharmacy. And if there was, 
you would not see things like Duexis existing because no pharmacist would let that exist. Uh, we would always get that switched if we had enough time. Um, things like if, if a doctor writes like 10 milligrams for something, all right, and we don't have the 10 milligrams in stock, but we have five milligrams, I can't give them two of the five milligrams and, see, and say, here, take this. It's the same dose. That's uh, perfectly fine clinically in like every single situation that I could ever think of, but it's illegal. I would have to get uh, verific, or I would have to consult with the prescriber to get them to approve that. Very hard to do on weekends and holidays, and that's normally right. when something like that happens. Wow. Okay, this ought to be a good one. Obtaining the ability to vaccinate was the dumbest thing our profession has ever done to itself. Oh, absolutely. Um, it sound it sounded great probably in the early two thousands, late nineties, whenever we sort of made the push to to get that um, ability. And it quite frankly is needed. I mean, I worked in a small community. Uh, there were two pharmacies and maybe one doctor's office. I don't. I think they're yeah. Uh, that's it. There's two pharmacies and one doctor's office. We all had to work together to get people vaccinated, especially during the time of COVID. Um, and uh, it's definitely something that we need as a as a country and as as these smaller communities uh, continue to exist. Um, but we just got abused from the very minute that that came out. As soon as we got the ability to vaccinate, it became part of the numbers, part of the metrics, um, and part of the borderline harassment that we got from the higher ups. And um, I, I've always said this. Pharmacy technicians should be paid more, and if they would be the ones who did the vaccinating, uh, that would probably make a lot more sense. At least I would think so. Um, there's normally what two or three technicians in a pharmacy, or at least that work at a pharmacy. They all wouldn't work at the same time. That would be ludicrous. Uh, you know, if that burden was kind of spread out amongst the staff, it would be a lot more reasonable, in my opinion. Um, I don't even know why that became a pharmacist thing. That should have always been a pharmacy technician thing. Um, that that just makes practical sense to me if our goal is to get communities right. vaccinated. So if you have just a cashier in a pharmacy, they can technically give a vaccine? With no, no, they can't. They okay. should be okay. able to. If they went through the training, obviously, I wouldn't want you know someone without any training to be giving vaccines. But if they went through the appropriate training, yeah, that, that's something that they should be able to. I will say okay. because of COVID, uh, there has been a lot of exceptions to that. We are seeing a lot more technicians vaccinate. And I think some states, even before COVID, allowed technicians to vaccinate. So actually, that well, actually I know where you, you mentioned it ties into numbers. I read all sorts of stories, you know, all over the Internet and Twitter, you know, pharmacists talking about how they're getting, you know, pushback, you know, from higher ups. You know, how come you haven't you've done more or whatnot in, you know, seeing how the staffing is an issue. I mean, I can't imagine when did vaccination, did it start out with flu vaccines? Was that the first one that got adopted into the stores? I believe so. I think it, it, uh, depends on the state. I believe, uh, in Pennsylvania, I, I'm actually not entirely sure, but I believe it was the early two thousands. We, we got the ability to vaccinate. I wouldn't be surprised if it started with, flu I, I just cannot expanded. fathom to me, you know, the amount of extra pressure and stress that has been put on the the pharmacist you know the pharmacist nationwide once it became okay 
you're going to do the COVID vaccines because mm-hmm. the, just the scope yeah. of that alone, I don't understand how a pharmacist can adequately do their core job because they're spending most of their time giving shots. Yeah, that was a huge public health uh, burden, if you will, that was put on the backs of pharmacists. And uh, to be quite honest with you, they can't. I see all the time um, some of my pharmacist colleagues that they have to t- stop taking walk-ins or, or stop vaccinating altogether, risking their job, by the way. That wasn't something that their, uh, their higher-ups allowed them to do. It's something they had to do to get caught up on the prescriptions or other daily functions. So to put it short, they, they're not. They're not doing it. Um, and they can't. They don't have enough tools it's, and resources. It's just profound to me that, you know, that being such a valued and needed profession that it's not being taken better care of. You know, it, it's, you know, just to me is one of those deals where, you know, you need pharmacists. You know, they're, they're, in, they're a necessity, as they say, they are, quote, unquote, essential. But there's no support for them. I mean, it just seems like it gets worse and worse. You know, and then when they announced the boosters, the uproar <laughs> that you saw, I mean, it was bad enough, you know, just doing the standard, you know, two-dose vaccinations. And now all of a sudden you got the boosters and you got the people coming in trying to say they're eligible for the boosters and they're not. It's just, to me, it just seems like too much. And I'm, I'm sure that nobody was getting paid extra for that. Yep, you and me both, brother. It, it's rough out there. So j- just to be clear, I actually left right before the COVID vaccine came out. So I, I've never even given a COVID vaccine, but we all were muttering about it. We all knew that uh, right. the end was not. <laughs> like we were all <laughs> thinking about it. And uh, I, I'm glad I got out beforehand for the, 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 the disrespect and the work value of it. But I, I really wish I could have helped vaccinate some communities in fact i tried to volunteer i'm, I'm, point, but it I'm didn't curious as to how many um, and kind of get your insight on this too uh, i would think that maybe there's probably several pharmacists that were close to retirement age that due to all this have decided to bow out and take early retirement <laughs> i would imagine so as well I, I don't know for a fact but i would i would feel very comfortable nice. that. all yeah. right so i think we pretty much covered all the questions um general staffing disorder um, are you talking about lack of staff or just right? Um, lack of staff. Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't, no. They don't hire I mean, and you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I told the story, you know, offline, you know, I did the whole quote unquote boots on the ground thing yesterday, taking little flyers for tonight's show to CVS and Walgreens. And, you know, we're in Walgreens and I see this gentleman back at the pharmacy. He's on the phone with a customer at the drive through. Somebody comes and taps him on the shoulder and he splits and hands the phone to somebody else. And, you know, I'm back there waiting to talk to the pharmacy and my wife's up front and she winds up talking to him. So here is a pharmacy technician who is running the register at the front of the store, uh, making the comment that, you know, he was X amount of hours into an extremely long day, and it was supposed to be his day off. Now, I... Oh, yeah, nice. I don't under... No part of me understands why a pharmacy technician has been yanked out of the pharmacy to go run the register up front when the store manager was actually standing up there doing nothing but talking to somebody. I mean... That's a problem. 
And no wonder people are frustrated. I mean, because as, as he was up there, literally somebody asked to speak to the manager and the manager was just standing over talking to somebody. Okay. Why is the, the technician not back in the pharmacy and, and the manager just kind of bought the bullet and run the register for a bit. It, it, that makes no sense to me. And I, and I can't imagine that's not an isolated case because it was my, you know, when I was working for CVS, we had several cashiers who expressed interest in becoming a pharmacy tech. So they already had the cash register experience and whatnot. So I can see where somebody who started as a cashier decided to be a tech and they do that, but then they try to double dip and use them on the sales floor. Problems. So let's look at some questions here. Um, Let's see. Hero says, is it just the payment for charging the insurance company that causes them to push doing the vaccines in pharmacy? I personally have had the pediatrician, the doctor's office, and the pharmacist. Uh, wow. The chat just blew up. Um, is it the payment for charging the insurance companies that causes them to push doing the vaccines in the pharmacy? Yes, they make about $30 per vaccine. So it's, it's just numbers. The more they give, the more they bill for insurances, right. the more money they um, make. Irish Connection says, do you think retail and pharmacies can work well together or does retail interfere too much with the work of a pharmacy? Uh, someone had asked something similar to that earlier. Uh, in my experience, they've been pretty separate. Um, working well together, not really, but not, not, they're not, yeah, they're not, they're not, not really required to <laughs> like, I wouldn't, I, you're right. Yeah. I wouldn't call it good or bad. Um, I did have some, uh, I will say this, we had some managers like the retail side of the manager, uh, position, uh, at Rite Aid who actually came back to the pharmacy and filled in a couple nights when we were like super short staffed. So I will say that they definitely helped me out a lot sometimes. Uh, that our store managers did. So in that regard, yes, uh, they definitely do work well together right. if and when it happens. Right. Um, all right, so we went through the questions. So talk about, as far as your book goes, talk about the things in it that are the most important to you for people to know. Um, so uh, honestly, the most important part, now this is me speaking to the retail pharmacist or pharmacy technician, is how to create uh, a, a resume that gets past the bots that scan resumes. That That's really the most important part. I know that's not really too interesting for folks who uh, may not be interested in uh, pharmacy as a career path or more interested in the, the, the retail um side um for the for the purpose of the stream you know but uh honest to goodness if you're applying for a job probably even outside of pharmacy if you don't craft your resume correctly if you don't have the bullet points and the keywords that that bot is going to be scanning for then your resume is going right in the digital trash and i hate that that's something that i learned whenever i was i was going through this process of trying to uh get a new job and um I, I hate it with a passion, but that's just the world we live in. And I had to bite the bullet and sort of create um, a bot-friendly resume instead of a good right. resume. Instead of something that a human wants to read, I had to make it so a computer right. program like to read it. As far as the skills and qualifications you have as a pharmacist, how does that – give us some examples of what that could translate into outside of the retail pharmacy world. 
There really isn't a whole lot. In fact, um, the, the, there's there's some things that are loosely tied to pharmacy that I think a pharmacist would still be qualified for that I mentioned in my book. Um, but uh, there isn't a whole lot. So one, uh, in some states, in my state, Pennsylvania, a licensed pharmacist has to be on site for medical marijuana dispensing. So that would be one that's kind of sort of related to pharmacy, but it's so niche. It's like almost not really pharmacy at that point. Um, a lot of data analysis jobs uh, in healthcare, large healthcare firms, that would be something that a pharmacist would be qualified for. In fact, I was in the running for one of those jobs until I eventually got a, a different clinical job. Um, those are the only two that I think I mentioned in my book. Everything else is still slightly like tied to pharmacy in some way. I, I guess you could join the military. That is another option. You could be doing something completely different outside of pharmacy and still making uh, close to a pharmacist amount of pay. But those are probably the only three. Um, we're, we're sort of locked. We're like landlocked into this profession. And uh, the hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt that most of us take out in order to go to school doesn't help. Uh, we're stuck. Uh, honest to goodness. Something I talk about in my book. Technicians get uh, uh, upset, and rightfully so, about how much pharmacists make. Uh, but sometimes, I mean, from our perspective, I wish I could just get a different job. Like, I can't do that. Like, I have to stay in this profession, at least until right. my loans are paid off. Um, and for the record, that'll be happening next year because I'm not going to dilly-dally around with that. I'm paying off my loans very quickly, and I suggest all my readers well, do I, as well. Here's an interesting question. Do you think that uh, prescription delivery endangers the delivery drivers? Uh, good question. In my experience, no. Uh, where I work right now, I work as a consultant, and sometimes we manage emergency deliveries. Um and I, I've not ever had a, an instance, at least not yet. I've only been working here for about a year, uh, where folks um, are making deliveries were, were felt any sort of danger. I've, 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 that's an interesting question. I'd like to know if you had an experience or you heard of an experience where uh, delivery drivers um, did feel like they were in danger. Because I would like to know that. Because like I said, we work with delivery couriers all the time at my oh, current this job. Is, this is a good ethics question from Irish Connection. Ethically speaking, do you think it is okay for a company to be both a pharmacy and also sell cigarettes and alcohol? Hmm. Gee. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess the answer would be no. I mean, if you're really interested in someone's health care, enabling them... Um, to use tobacco and to and to use alcohol, I guess no. I guess the yeah, answer so no, is no. CV, Never thought CVS of that. did get rid of like, cigarettes, whereas yeah, Walgreens still has it. Yeah, yeah, and they so, did a Rite Aid too. I think that's, and I agree with that statement because you would think pharmacist, you know, healthcare, promote better health. There's tons of things in these stores besides <laughs> cigarettes and beer that are just as bad for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could almost argue, well, if they sell Twinkies, that's probably a bad thing too, because that's as anti-healthcare as it could possibly get. <laughs> so, um, true. But, but the true question is, is could you, could a customer just walk up with like a carton of cigarettes and just a full 12 pack? You think you could sell those Duexis? 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, That's a good so one. So let's see what else we got. Uh, Hero asked, as far as qualifications, do you think the qualifications and experience that pharmacists have would translate into like medical billing? Uh, yeah, uh, probably would. That would be a huge pay cut, though. No, that wouldn't be practical. Um, but yes, yes, um, would be very good. Let's at see. It. Another question, uh, a little off the wall. Um, why do you think Big Pharma is so against cannabis and its healing powers compared to all the FDA regulated meds? I don't know that they are. Is that true? I, that's the first time ever hearing of that. Um, if they are, I mean, it would just be a money thing, I would think. They don't feel like they would be able to bottle it and sell it like they can with their other drugs. So that would they make don't sense want anyone else to. That, that would be that would, the only reason. But now yeah. that there's medicinal, medicinal you know, marijuana, you know, they finally figured out a way to monetize it. So. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, a good question there, I guess. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Hey, there was a, there was a question earlier that I wanted to... Go ahead. Uh, note. Um, let me find it here. What's the real difference between generic and actual drugs price alone? Okay, so there's a lot of a lot to unpack there. That was from Hero. Um, so generic is an actual drug, first of all. Um, I personally hate the term generic because it creates this feeling of inferiority, and that's not true at all. Um, Whenever a drug comes to market for the first time, it's mm -hmm. called a brand, okay? And then they, because uh, there's a lot of money being spent to bring a drug to market. You have to prove that it's safe. You have to prove that it's effective. You have to prove what it does. We're talking like hundreds of, of millions of dollars here in some cases. So because of that, uh, the FDA allows brand drugs, I hate that term too, but I'm going to use it right now, to... Um, to have a patent exclusivity. They can sell that drug and they're the only ones who can sell that drug for what ends up being on average around 12 to 14 years. After that point, any other company in the world can make a that same drug. And then we use the term generic for that, that drug. It's not really a generic. I, I would prefer to call it like an, a, a competitor product or, or a chemical but they're product identical. or something like that. But it, the yeah the actual the chemical itself is identical and then um price he he was asking about the price so we normally see something drop pretty significantly i would say over the next 2 or 3 years after a brand drug uh comes onto market it would probably be about 20% of what it was um, oh, I'm sorry, I, I messed that up. Whenever a, the generic drugs come onto the market, after about two or three years, the generic drugs will be about 20% uh, of the cost of what the, the um, brand name drug now, was. So, um, As far yeah, as the that, brands that, that go, that. what do you see happening more when doctors are calling in prescriptions? Are you seeing them leaning more towards writing scripts for the brand or for the quote-unquote generic? Well, statistically speaking, it's always almost going to be generic. There are far more generic drugs on the market than there are brand. Um, for the most part, if a, a a doctor says the brand name or writes the brand name, they don't intend on it being the brand name. They just wrote something there a lot of times because it was easier to spell. You know. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. Well, we don't dispense the brand name then in that case. In fact, we rarely ever do. Uh, we would we would substitute it out for a generic. So that is, I mentioned earlier that we can't really do a whole lot with our license. That is one thing we can and do do, and that does help a lot um, with the uh, healthcare costs. So if, if a doctor does write for a brand name, you're going to be getting generic. There, there's so many steps that would go be involved for you to actually get a brand name drug, and odds are you probably never would get a brand name drug unless it's uh, unless it's on that patent right. unless it's the only thing that exists that's then you gotcha. have to get brand um proto rage asks what would be some of the worst experiences you've had that you can recall <laughs> oh heavens oh here it is <laughs> some of the worst experiences um probably some from uh from our irate uh, customers who don't understand what's going on. Um, I think maybe the worst might be like one of the wor- the last customer interactions I had where this guy was uh, calling me all sorts of names and saying that it was my fault um, because his insurance wouldn't pay for his Adderall until the next day. I'm not kidding. That was what the issue was. But he was convinced that that was my fault. He said something like his aunt works oh, for Rite Aid and he knows what the rules are or something. I don't know. He, oh. Yeah, he, he had. I don't even know if he knew what planet he was on, to be honest with you. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, to be treated like that, as if I'm like an idiot, as if I don't know what I'm doing, you know, I, I that that just hurts your soul. You can't take that too much. And like I said, that was like one of the last customer interactions I had with anyone. Um, and in fact, I, I remember after it happened, I told my at the time fiance, now wife. Uh, I'm glad I had that. You know, what doubt I had in my in my heart about leaving this job for a new one is completely gone. <laughs> like I am just very confident. Yeah, you, you leave now. Do you have to? Do you have to deal with customers directly at your uh, new place, or no? I don't even know what a customer is. Oh my god! Yeah. Everyone here in the retail yes. war zone has rejoiced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I work directly with nurses. Oh, nice. Um, Irish Connection says, do you think workers in an essential service like a retail pharmacy should be paid a premium over other lines of retail? Hmm. No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, you would have to like somehow quantify the uh, essential nature of a position and then convince me that a retail pharmacist is more essential than something else. Um, so I don't, I don't think so. No, um, I think probably a flat increase for all of our essential workers would be uh, more appropriate. I don't think that uh, retail pharmacists are, are special as far as how it relates to um, this particular I'm assuming pandemic. that you still have friends that are in the business. So what? Yeah, oh, yeah. So Some what kind of stories right are you hearing? I mean, you know. Oh my gosh, dude. I was, uh, I was playing a video game with one of my buddies. Um, I think it was last week or the week before. And, uh, he tells me, so I almost got oh. robbed today. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, evidently his wife was scheduled to be working at this store and she got sick. So he went in to replace her like a good husband. They work for the same company. And uh, Sketchy McSketcherson walks in, and uh, you know he—he—he—I he, 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 don't know if he was trained to, to act this way, but he—he he acted in a in a very uh, 
uh, a secretive way. You know, he was telling the technician, you know, come over here. I need you for this. Don't, I don't need you at the register right now. Come over here. And he was explaining like, you know, I don't think this guy's up to any good. And the, the manager, oh, you were talking about the retail managers, everybody, the, the retail manager called the pharmacy and said, I've been watching this guy. He's been in here for an hour doing absolutely nothing. Not exactly dressed in normal clothing right now, you know, and uh, they, they just stalled and stalled and stalled and eventually he left. Well, he gets a call a half hour ago or a half hour later and their store down the road was wow. robbed. And although he wasn't able to confirm 100% that it was the same person at the time, he said he was very confident that uh, he that that. Uh, customer left their store, went to another store. And you know, it's, it's amazing to me. Some people who feel like that the, they they can break in and get into the C twos. That was something. That... Now, have you seen? Uh, did you see a video that was pat being passed around on Twitter where this guy literally just walked into the pharmacy and then picked up a bunch of bottles of promethazine? Yeah, it, was that the one out? where the tech like, or yes. whoever jumped over the counter after him? I yeah. could have been. Um, I think that he he got out as far Jeez. as I know. He just walked right out the. Well, store. you know when when <laughs> I was uh, when I was working for CVS, we had a couple instances where people broke in like after hours, thinking they were going to get into the Fort Knox back there to get a hold of some happy pills, and yeah. they find out real fast that they can't. Um, I do know, you know, in yeah. kind of response to Hero's question, I always wondered if people, you know, were wise enough to know who the couriers were and, you know, if couriers get held up, basically, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I, I would like to look more into that. I don't I don't know about that happening, but that doesn't mean it doesn't. I, so, I need to look and, into And the that. people that you know or whatnot, what's the general feeling right now, especially with all the vaccinations and the boosters? I mean, do you see the staffing situation getting worse? Do you see a lot of pharmacists just, I mean, going to, I know there's going to be a lot, they're going to have to take huge pay cuts and they've got student loans and all that stuff, but is it getting to the point out there where people are just about ready to throw their hands up and say, I'm done with this shit? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, so, uh, uh, as far as the folks that I know, they're actually holding steady, at least uh, for, that's the the vibe I'm getting from them. Um, but wh where I work right now, we, we work with um, lots of CVSs and Rite Aids and, and Walgreens and stuff. And we can't get our patients medications because we don't know if the pharmacy is going to be open or not. Like they're just randomly closed sometimes. And um we're, we're spending a lot of man hours like trying to contact pharmacies, waiting on hold for hours at a time and eventually getting through, hopefully, to some like uh, exhausted pharmacist or pharmacy technician to see if we can get a prescription filled tonight for one of our patients. And um, like like my business, the one I work in right now is, is seeing a dramatic effect from all of this. Um, we can't get people pills sometimes. Like in the middle of the night, um, t 24 hour pharmacies, they might be open, they might not. It, d it depends on if they were able to get someone to work at the f at the store that night, or if I, I heard. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that the staff at one pharmacy that we used just walked out. It would not surprise me. Not. Um, I actually, I can confirm that uh, here at the Kroger where I live, that absolutely happened. They all just walked out. Yep. They all just said bye. 
here, here's here's a really good question. <laughs> I, I have a little insight into this because you know, but it's been a long time ago. What's the standard if you get sick as a pharmacist? Is your experience that if they can't get someone to cover your shift, expect to work sick or not? The great question. I asked that when I was hired, <laughs> and I never got an answer. Um, so, in in my personal experience, where I worked at Rite Aid, um, I was fortunate i guess in that the other pharmacist was um he, he didn't have any kids in his house uh, they're all adults uh and i wasn't even married at the time we didn't really have lives outside of work <laughs> either of us so i was very fortunate that he would come in at a moment's notice if i was wick, if i was sick and i would do the same for him um but from what i can tell um from from speaking with other pharmacists, you're expected to work sick, and that's awful, especially in a, in something like a pharmacy where there's sick people coming in that need help, and you can't have the pharmacist there potentially like spreading a viral infection or or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, like I told you, you know, off stream, you know, I had a situation where my pharmacist was was sick i mean she was like really really sick like no business had no business being there you know at all but because they couldn't find a floater they basically told her you're going to work your shift and that was an open to close shift and so this lady comes in i mean looking like she'd been run over by a truck and in between patients she was literally laying in the floor you know because she was so ill and that was my first taste of, whoa, there's something really wrong here because she was never getting lunches. She was working open to close shifts. And, and the secondary pharmacist, the same thing. And this is like, do you guys ever get breaks? I mean, yeah, I mean, cool. Lots of holidays you get off and stuff like that. But your actual work day and the people you're dealing with 12, 14 hours a day, I man, props to everybody that does that job because it doesn't stop for those guys. I mean, it's like you said, the phone's ringing off the hook. You got patient after patient after patient and there's no stopping. And it seemed to me at the, that point in time that corporate didn't care. You're just going to do it. Yeah, that sounds pretty consistent. For those of you who don't know that that's actually true. Um, the standard in this profession is a 12 hour shift with no breaks, amazing. no lunch. That, is, that to me is just amazing. And it's borderline. Well, it is, it's inhumane, you know, and yeah, it, it is, I just, I had no word for that. I mean, and I saw that happen, you know, numerous times or a floater that was supposed to be off, you know, uh, you know, the pharmacist had to be out for something and they call him in on the day off. And it's like, you know, you better not, not be there. Come in, no matter what. They got to stop what they're doing, whatever plans, and they got to hustle up and get up there. And no one cared. You know, it, it was just shocking to me that, I mean, don't get, even if you got like a 30-minute lunch would be great, you know. But the expectation, like you said, was there's no break. It's bell to bell. Go, 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 go. God be with you. Hope you make it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, th- there really is. Yeah. <laughs> now, in your experience with all the people that you talk to and whatnot, if you could rank, say, the, you know, from, you know, best to worst, let's say, give, give us three retail pharmacy companies, rank them with one being the best and three being the worst. What would you, what would you say? CVS is the worst from what everybody tells me. Um, 
Wow. The the nickname that's circulating in the pharmacy community. Oh my god, that's great. Satan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've never worked there. Um, I don't know much about the company from a personal experience, but I've never ever met anyone that was like, yeah, I love working at CVS. No, they all hate it so much. Uh, probably number two worst, like going in, in, in ranking and worst here would probably be Walgreens from what I hear from other folks. Again, I don't personally have right. any ties with that company. I don't know anything about them. Um, then probably, uh, probably Rite Aid then would be behind there. And then, Getting into the the good or the better uh, retail pharmacies, some would say um, Kroger would probably be one of the best. Actually, no, I take that back. The absolute best from what I hear is Costco. If you've ever been into a Costco pharmacy, they have big glass windows. Nobody can just run up and talk to the pharmacist and ask them where the bathroom is. You have to wait in the line, and there there's a process uh, that happens at a at a Costco pharmacy. And most people will say that's probably the best. How would you rank a Walmart pharmacy? Walmart's probably one of the better ones, from what I hear. I actually used to really? work at Walmart, yeah, as an intern, and um, yeah, that was probably one of the better ones. Although I hear a lot of negative things about Walmart nowadays. I don't I don't know how to yeah, it's hard to, to judge that though. Correct, yeah. It's, <laughs> Walmart is an absolute incredible place to work. Uh, the sarcasm is strong here, but <laughs> Irish Connection asks, what was the most frustrating part of working in a retail pharmacy? The customers, management, or the insurance companies? Oh, man, that's a good question. So the, the absolute most frustrating part is how much I wanted to help people and how little help I could give people. Uh, and that's a combination from the insurance companies and from uh, the corporate uh, uh, metrics that we had to meet, um, that that's the worst part. And and I think any pharmacist would agree with me here, and they'd probably say something similar. Like we want to help people so bad, but whenever we get a prescription, we bill the insurance, and it's not covered. Or um, there's a line of people uh, waiting that's uh, backed up through the aisles because some family wanted. 10 flu shots for all of their nine oh, wow. or eight kids or whatever, you know, <laughs> I, uh, it, it, it is, it's just so frustrating because we are generally very, uh, we're, we're the types of people that the types of people that go to pharmacy school want to help people, you know, don't get that wrong. We very few of us did this for the money. And, uh, whenever you're trying to work a job with your hands tied behind your back, it's so frustrating. And I, I quit. I couldn't oh. take it anymore. Um, and uh, it's tough to explain to people who, who have no idea how insurance works, you know, why they can't have their medicine. We get caught in between that a lot. We'll go one more question here. Hero asks, what do you wish customers would be aware of that they're clueless about? <clears throat> the entire profession. I get so many, I had so many people walk in there like, and they knew what was going on. Like they had any clue. I was like, dude, I, I can't take time out of my day to explain how an entire profession works right now. I explain why you're wrong. You know, I, I, I think that's such a weird concept. Like I would never walk into a dentist office and be like, this is what you should do because I know. <laughs> it's, it's those people that do the research on Facebook. Um, 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like that guy that his aunt worked for Rite Aid and he knew that I was the one preventing him from getting his Adderall. Like, I, I just don't know. Like, it's okay to be uninformed or, you know, for a, a more severe term. It's okay to be stupid, you know? There's a lot of things my that wife, I'm very my stupid My wife will about. tell you that I'm Everybody stupid. Is. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I don't understand and what I don't excuse is how you're not aware of what you don't know. Like, I I've, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I could write a book about that, I swear. Um, like, just just context clues, bro. Like, look at where you are. Look at what, you know, you do. Look at what's going on here. You probably don't know what you're talking about. And I, I would never walk into a situation and act like I knew what I was talking about right. if I infected. So close us out with your ultimate pitch on your book. Speaking of which, there is a link to purchase the book in the description of the video. And just to let you know, all of our guests that come on that have something to sell or promote, your your book link becomes permanent in an area in our description. So it will always be there. Okay, cool. Um, so I don't I don't really have a, a huge pitch to give everyone. Um, I, I think this book has been incredibly helpful for myself, and I get um, lots of feedback from our readers. Um, I got a couple people telling me that you know because of my book, they found a career that they enjoy and that they love, and that they're so eternally grateful that they found it and they read it. Um, and that's what I chase after. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for money. Uh, if you guys, um, I would say that if you're working in pharmacy and you're feeling dissatisfied, you know, it can get better, right? You don't have to take what's going on um, in your uh, pharmacy life. And um, if you know somebody who is uh, feeling very, very, very down and they work in the pharmacy um, space and, you know, God forbid, they're, they're talking about things that they really, you, you hate to hear people talk about, get them this book or have them reach out to me and I'll give it to them for free. Um, it, it, it's been a, a massive help for a lot of people. And I, I, to this day, I've never had anyone say anything negative about it. I haven't had a, one bad review. Um, I've only had praise from our readers and, and that's what I'm most proud of. So honestly, uh, um, oh, and uh, another person said something that I, I didn't even really intend with the book. Apparently it's a very good career guide for people who want to know about pharmacy. I didn't intend it to be that way. Um, for, the, for those of you who haven't read the book, uh, there's, I think, at least one chapter devoted to just about everything you can do with a PharmD. That's a doctor to pharmacy. So uh, for students and new grads, it would be very helpful. But, um, uh, yeah, that, that's about it. Um, I, I live to help you guys. I don't I don't. All right, going along with that this. theme, Hero asked, would you like people who are in the profession to reach out to you if they watch this or read and have further questions? Great question. Yeah, 100%. Um, I reach out to me on Facebook, reach out to me on Twitter, rarely ever on Instagram, but you can try me there if you want. I love helping people. I have a Facebook group. Um, I'll look it up here. I don't, I don't remember what it's called. I think it's called Escaping Retail Pharmacy, where I frequent that group and other folks who are uh, in the process of leaving retail pharmacy or have just recently left. Uh, we'll answer you guys' questions about interviewing resumes, different career paths. Um, different things you can do for side income as a pharmacist. Uh, so yeah, I, I love the the reader interaction. Um, do not hesitate to reach out Fantastic. to me at all. Fantastic. All right. So, Grant, hope you enjoyed your stay. 
It, loved it. Good I love you, brother. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed talking to you, but I just I just looked up your Twitter. It's retail yep. survivor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want people to know, that, man. Yep. That made me laugh. That is great. All right. So, uh, in the future, if we have another pharmacy episode, would you care to join us? Awesome. Because this is not going to be the last pharmacist one at all. So, but like like, you know, like I've said numerous times on Twitter, once you're on the show, you're part of the family. As far as I'm concerned, Um, you know, um, I still want to shout out and say that the Twitter retail community is the best community out there. Um, you know, a lot of cool things going on. Um, you know, it's, uh, Oh, we got a question that just came in that I think is probably worth asking, um, from Praveen. Have you, or anyone, you know, has taken up free tuition program offered by Walmart or target? No, because that doesn't exist. I would, I, Praveen, if you actually know something about that, please reach out to me. But as far as I know, that does not exist. The closest thing you could get would be like a military repayment thing, or you could work for the Indian Health Service. Um, but if you go to pharmacy school, you're going to be paying a lot of money unless you get scholarships from other means. I, I've never heard of Walmart or Target or anyone like that giving um, scholarships. Uh, to pharmacists, it, that might have been a thing, maybe in the early two thousands, but I I don't. I so don't there think you go, Praveen. If you have any info on that, uh, reach out to Grant. It was, as you see on the screen, guys, all his social media is right there. You know, I try to do my best when I put these things together that I have all the pertinent information for everybody. Um, you know, so you can go access what they're doing. Um, also, to look, at, you know, if you're looking for the book, the links in the description of the video. Uh, this thing will go up audio wise probably the next hour or so on uh, Spotify. So be looking out for that so you can share it. And once again, Grant, thank you so much for being on this evening. You volunteered as tribute because I'm asking for people to come on and talk about pharmacy, and you're like, I'll do it. And I'm like, sweet, we got it. So that was great. Mm-hmm. It was actually funny. You 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 had already said you'd do it. And then Irish Connection had messaged me, we need this guy. I'm like, he vo- he volunteered his tribute. So, <laughs> really good. so, but having said that, everybody, everybody have a great night. Um, <laughs> next week was supposed to be the um, Bad Manager Awards, but that's probably going to change. Uh, I've got some other things in the work that I'm working on. Um, so I'll let everybody know soon what that's going to be probably within the next two to three days or whatnot. I want to know. I want the bad manager awards. Though, you know, Steve. Alex, we've called, crossed into the deep end of the pool. A lot of the, a lot of the humor <laughs> um, kind of going by the wayside. We out here trying to make, make changes. So um, want to keep it serious as much as we can. So um, having said that, everybody have a great name. I mean, a great name, great night. And we will see you next time (laughs) on the Retail Warzone. Peace out.